Hi, all, and welcome to Pitch Please. Uh, thanks to those who've been tuning in. We really appreciate the feedback we've been getting. We are Rebellious PR, a boutique PR firm making space for underrepresented founders. We're always finding ourselves breaking down the walls in relentless pursuit of visibility for movers and shakers, and we're also working in a myriad of different industries. And, of course, it's all being seen through the eyes of our great team that consists of fellow rebel rousers, thought leaders, and free thinkers. And of course, that team consists of myself, Megan Jones, and I'll be taking you through the pod here today, founder extraordinaire Evie Smith, VP of accounts, Rachel Johnston, and of course, our account associate, Jay Siqueiros. Of course, we've been discussing our theme it's all about disruption, right? So when talking about movers and shakers in different industry, the word disruption often comes up. In fact, disruption has become one of the most overused words in the business world. So what does it really mean? Should you care about disrupting your business or even your life? We're here to discuss that all throughout this month. And of course, the last episode we talked about when keeping it real goes wrong. Well, what happens when you don't get ahead of the curve that's something you want to go to episode three about and listen in on that. But in this episode, we talk about the opposite, when PR is done right. And of course, we're referring to a client of ours, Laura DiCarlo. So without further ado, let's get into the Laura DiCarlo story. The whole thing too, and it, it, this is something that we... Whenever you're trying to pitch a big story, sometimes it's really important for clients to remember it's not just about them. And if they really want to be part of a bigger story, they have to point at all the other disparities. You know, it's like this wasn't just a one-off situation and that was the story that we were painting. And we wanted, you know, to kind of rally the troops, so to speak. And like the timing of all of this happening could not have been it's very unfortunate, but it could not have been better. You know, yeah. like we're living in a trash can fire right now, you guys. And like, the, but the beauty of it is, is that people have never before had such a voice that that other people want to listen to and talk about. And that was really like the spirit of this story that I think so many people around the world really, really latched onto. Yeah. So once we strategize what were some other moving parts obviously the research that is involved kind of you know gearing up making sure we you know write about but what other sort of like big um linchpin things do you think like made it possible for this to be a success well i definitely think the media strategy um you know like once we once we knew we had a story like a big juicy stake of a story um, really determining who, from what outlet, you know, we had like four different press lists um, and talking to people under embargo, um, you know, making people in emails agree to an embargo so we had record. We, you know, I PDFed or we PDFed um, all of the correspondence that we had with the CTA and was just from the time we got the award notification to all the emails. With it, including all the conversations that happened after the, the, the famous email, the profane, obscene, indecent e email, um, with all the lawyers talking back and forth, like we PDF everything. We like had the receipts. We showed, we showed everybody everything. Yeah. Um, but we were really selective with who we talked to under embargo, you know, like talking to Katie at Buzzfeed, talking to Megan Rose Dickey at, TechCrunch, these are people that I have personal relationships with and people I've worked with and given stories to for years. 
um, talking to Dean at VentureBeat. I've been working with Dean since 2007. You know, yeah. these are people that I know hold to an embargo. They're interested in good stories having to do with decent people. And they are, you know, they will report, they will report the news and, you know, just having that embargo and those stories start to leak out midnight before the first day of CES and, you know, having Laura, you know, kudos to Laura for penning a really amazing open letter citing all of Rachel's research and just like really um, calling CES out on their bullshit. Um, and it was just the, the timing correspondence of all of those little pieces. It felt like, you know, a, a lot of this I felt like fell on my shoulders in terms of you know, Evie, what should we do for the timing? Like, what should go first? When should we do this? And um, I felt like it was almost like a seating chart for a wedding. And mm. I was like, well, if we put two people next to each other, then this is how this could <laughs> Right. These people will fight. Um, I, I, I knew, but I didn't know. And honestly, um, you know, Dean's story was the first to hit. And then I was like, I don't know, like, maybe nobody's going to pick this up. Maybe we're only going to get these three stories. And honestly, I remember texting with you and Rachel, um, like when we were all in our rooms at CES and yeah. Rachel's like, this is going to be big, just wait. And then waking up the next morning and it was like a slow crawl, Yes, slow crawl. And then by like 7 PM, it was like, our phones were all like bricked out from people yeah. calling us and like our email boxes were full. And like, it was a crazy week. It was a crazy week. It, it was definitely a very long very long week, long days, uh, dealing with that. So, so yeah, once now I'm curious, um, you know, I love that week, by the way, you guys, Oh, I like, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I, I think, you know, talking, meeting strangers and then, you know, mentioning like, Oh, well, you're here for CES. Yeah. It was like, and then mentioning why and then them knowing about the story like oh yeah I heard about that it's like oh yeah that's you know that's our client that's you know something is a, is a very proud moment especially for myself having just kind of you know rolled in on uh, riding in on the coattails there so um yeah that, that it was, was amazing like it literally like I think even everything from just like being able to be there with you guys while it was happening like, it just felt like every room we went into, people should start applauding, like applauding. I know I made like many jokes about Clueless that. Clueless moment, like, right, it right. just felt like the whole rest of the week, it was a fucking victory lap. Yeah. Everywhere we went, people heard about it. Our other clients who were at CES were like, what's happening with that? And we're like, so impressed by our work. You know, like the whole thing was just like, we really did it. Yeah. We really fucking did it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious, like, right, because you mentioned, like, man, you know, it could have gone one of two ways, right? You could have, you know, Dean at Adventure Beat and, and the other two stories, like, that could have been it. Um, I mean, obviously, we know the outcome, It that wasn't it. Um, but w once released, what were the kind of, like, strategies? If it went south and nobody wrote about it what was going to happen if obviously you know the the success route was what happened and I'm curious to know also what was kind of strategy for I mean sometimes you just got to like be thrown in the trenches that's kind of I think you know how it felt right <laughs> but I'm curious to know behind that um I think in order to answer that I want to back up and talk about that fear 
of it, mm-hmm. of the story not mattering. Yeah. Because I think that that fear about the story is also part of the story, mm-hmm. right? Like we're talking about an issue around gender and around gender bias. And so there's this very real fear that I felt when researching that like part of the reason why I went down this, this rabbit hole of like back to my college days of like crazy strung out research is because I was so afraid of some dude being like, sit down, little girl, this isn't newsworthy and you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a big piece in how we strategized what we did. And I think that it fueled a lot of our hustle for that, um, even if subconsciously, because we're trying to call something out that had been happening for so long that there's this imposter syndrome. I think that like a lot of my fear around things going sideways would be because like people wouldn't care. Mm-hmm because that show is what it is and because it's, you know, 200,000 dudes in Vegas, like I worried that people just wouldn't give a shit. And I think, you know, the, at some point we would have, if it had fallen flat, we would have had to have just been like, okay, well, that's just one more thing to, you know, call CES out on to add list of that they've already been called out on. And at some point that makes, you know, the show obsolete for anybody that they are being exclusionary to. And so it continues to do things like push people away from coverage of the show. Like, you know, Kara Swisher is really adamant about not covering the show and not going to the show because of it. And, you know, and then she ended up being a person who had Laura on you know, the Recode Decode podcast. And she even said when we were sitting in the sound booth recording it, she was like, I hate CES and covering it. I don't go to that show. So tell me why this story is important. You know, and like, because so many people have already been so disenfranchised by um, the exclusionary feeling of what's happening there. So, you know, it could have been a situation where we would have just had to like be okay with whatever we got. Or, you know, it could go bananas. But, like, I think we all just knew in our guts that it was going to go bananas. It was going to stick. Yeah. It was It was yeah. definitely something worth, worth talking about, which, yeah. I definitely felt like it was, like, my finest Don Draper genius moment where I was like, this goes here. We do this. We've got that. And it was just, like doubling down on myself and trusting myself because people be like, really, what about this? And I'm like, no, 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 this is our strategy. This is what's going to, this is what's going to get us the most traction. No imposter syndrome here. Mm-hmm. I think the MPI, do you guys remember? I think it was like 10 articles. I think we were shooting for like eight to 10 articles mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we're like, oh, I hope we hit that. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, I think we said we could guarantee three. And yeah. then our goal was eight to 10. And yeah. uh, for listeners who are not familiar, uh, roughly uh, how many would you say we got there? I think by the end of the week, we had just crested about a hundred. And by the Jesus Christ, yeah. And by the, by so the that's end- one zero zero for those that one hundred. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think by the end of January, we were somewhere in the neighborhood of like a hundred and. 
35 pieces of coverage or something. And then it rolled a bit more into February. It slowed down a bit more in March, but like the, it, it never fully died. Cause we mm-hmm. also didn't let it, but we can get to that part of the strategy later as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How to, how to keep that wave going. So, so yeah, um, we're in the thick of things. We're at CES. We're wading through. We're taking meetings. Um, we had already had meetings uh, scheduled um, before, um, but, you know, trying to um, take things, you know, kind of on the fly, too, as people were kind of coming in. So um, I'm curious to know kind of the moving pieces, I guess, going forward. What was, once we had the news, once we broke it, what were we going to do with it? Well, once we realized we had America's sweetheart in our midst, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is Laura, the client. Um, Laura, I felt like, was like realized pretty quickly that she had been catapulted to the front of a movement um, and wanted to be the best spokesperson for that that she could possibly be. We did media training um we you know there's a so the thing about laura and i's relationship is we actually met through a startup accelerator here in portland and there's like this this startup accelerator actually our our session concluded yesterday but um you know we've gotten exposure to like this amazing like rolodex of like badass women so it's like at that point we like connected with Scarlett Chamberlain, who is like a, a Portland stylist who like works sometimes works with celebrities. And like, we crafted this, like, we we're like, you know, we need a little polishing here. Like, let's work on this um, message here. Um, and then, you know, I knew pretty quickly, I was like, we got to go to New York, you guys, like, we need to do a press tour while people are still talking about this. And so by the first week of February, Rachel was in New York with Laura, um, going to all these like badass meetings with, you know, like the Kara Swisher one and um, a bunch of other really cool ones. And, um, you know, we've really just tried to keep the conversation going. And um, there's so much happening in the sex tech space um, to really get Laura included amongst some of the really cool founders of companies like Thinks and Dame. Um, it has been really, really awesome. And, you know, there's so much stuff that's happening within that space where, you know, like they can't advertise on, um, on Instagram and, um, Dame had this whole thing where they were, you know, like they got ad, they were going to do ads with like the New York public authority and then they got them taken away. And it was like very similar gender disparity where it was like, they were running ads for like, uh, erectile dysfunction, but wouldn't run ads for like female sexual health and wellness. Right. And so say females to say people with vaginas. Um, and so, you know, it's like the, this is not just happening at CES, this is happening everywhere. And we're kind of in the midst of like a sexual revolution. Um, and I think that Laura DiCarlo is a huge part of that and a huge part of that conversation. And people, you know, we, we're still, we're still seeing opportunities where like it's, people still want to talk to that company and still want to talk to her because of what, you know, what happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and, you know, you kind of alluded to that, you know, earlier, Rachel, uh, just a little bit ago, talking about kind of the, um, I guess, like the domino effect, right, is like, you know, once you kind of, or it just kind of reminds me of, for whatever reason, that Weezer song, like, you know, you pull the thread of the sweater, I don't know why, but, (laughs) um, but I guess kind of talk about the the domino effect, um, 
because, you know, obviously some news can only last so long. Um, We want it to be, we didn't want to just be the CES flash in the pan, right? Story that was just this one. We want to turn it into this bigger social conversation. Um, So, you know, what are the discussions as a PR firm? What are discussions with the client as far as expectations? Um, I'm, I'm, you know, a little bit curious of the kind of the mindset behind, behind that. Well, here's an interesting fact Facts. about the Carlo company. Um, fact. This is like an interesting thing. So we're sitting here and it is May of 2019. Mm-hmm. This all broke in January and their product doesn't even come out till November. Dang. So we've effectively launched the company, put a CEO in the spotlight and we don't have a product. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in itself is like, you know, everybody in this room and your, in your guys' rooms, pat yourselves on the back because we have essentially done the impossible. We have kept her in the spotlight. We've kept them in the news, um, you know, month over month um, without there being a product. Um, so that in itself is like a, a feat that I think that, you know, kudos to us. So what what are we doing to keep her in the spotlight? I mean, I think we can't ignore the obvious in that, um, you know, CES did reaward the DiCarlo company their award back. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of like a micro, like a mini media blitz over that a few weeks ago. And, you know, it's a nice closure to that story yeah. um a lot of people are like now hungry to see like what's going to happen with DiCarlo and CES 2020 yeah um you know I think that like the story you know although it feels like it's kind of wrapped up with a nice bow people want to see the product that's the next huge thing people want to see what we bring to CES 2020 now that we're going to be on the show floor yeah hopefully yeah um, no contracts have been signed um <laughs> You know, and like what other companies are, are we bringing up with us too? Because again, it can't just be about us. It can't just be about Laura DiCarlo. It has to be about us making space and blazing trails for other companies, um, other female founders, other organizations that are inventing cool products for vaginas. Um, you know, that's the thing is, is it's, it's big picture. Um, one other thing we've been doing uh, is, you know, pitching uh, more evergreen trend stories around the resilience of these companies, um, around a, a billion-dollar industry, billion-dollar-a-year industry that is like popping off with all these amazing founders. Um, and currently, it's Pride Month, um, and we are, you know, we're able, you know, Laura is an is an out uh, bisexual woman, and she's making products that are for you know, this, that are pretty inclusive. And so, you know, that in itself is like a really interesting story right now. So it's, it's a really a situation of like fortuitous timing, mm. but like, I tell you what, like I cannot wait to get the product out there. Yeah, no, that's one, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's definitely what it is. You know, we've been talking a lot about um, obviously the news and articles and, and getting it out there, but I'm, I'm curious um, to talk to Jay a little bit about um, the other avenues that um, we work with many of our clients in, but specifically with Laura that I think has also helped, you know, put her in the spotlight and continue to open up opportunities about being part of this bigger conversation. And 
different awards and events, um, mostly like events, like speaking opportunities that um, have kind of come, you know, around that space. I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to me a little bit about strategy on that, how you've kind of worked with the DiCarlo team to, um, you know, choose some of those choose some of those opportunities. And then, you know, a lot of opportunities, I suppose, were kind of fielded to us, um, but kind of how uh-huh. you made the best of the best choices for that. Yeah, I would say that um, once that news broke, like um, April and May, Rachel can attest to this too. She got invited a lot of places. Mm-hmm. People wanted to work with her uh, and her only. And I was like, go ahead, you can have her. <laughs> Here's her cat do this um but no like um we really want to bring people along with us on this ride when we talk about women's uh sexual health and wellness so we wanted to place ourselves with people companies like us um who are going to kind of reiterate what we were seeing Mm -hmm. um so just kind of like nobody really focusing on the, that gender disparity and stuff like that in, in sex tech. So that's who we wanted to align with. And um, I, I want to say it was like a nice 50-50 split of her being invited to go to events and speak at places and then us applying for her to speak at at, um, at different events. But the, the one thing that ran true to all those events is that we want her in a space where she's going to be able to lift other people's voices, where um, people are are eager to learn more as well. So when I think of um, things like that, I think of like who's the audience? Is she going to be sitting in a room of CEOs uh, and decision makers who um, will have the knowledge and the means to do something different? Mm-hmm. Um, or is she going to speak, be speaking to like an audience of the public where they want to hear more about her story and they really feel for what she's saying and they want to support her as best as they can. Yeah. So it's been fun. Um, I think uh, if we're talking about like PR done right, um, I do really see the whole campaign as a really uh, nice test of strength and resilience on an individual level. Um, but really um, instrumental to like team building on both sides, the Laura DiCarlo team, our team, and then both of our teams put together. So it's been a roller coaster, um, but all of the strategy um, has been thought about. There hasn't been any avenues um, left unadventured, is if that if that's a word. We've 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 tried everything we could, and we're really exploring all options. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I can, you know, def- definitely see that. No, you know, I kind of said earlier, no, no stone unturned, I suppose. And yeah, um, I suppose, right. It does. Once you go through something, I guess, I, I don't know if I want to be so extreme to say trauma, but, um, you know, once you go through something like that, um, with, uh, somebody or a group of somebodies, um, that definitely does yeah. kind of bond you, um, a little bit closer than you might think. So Rachel, Rachel caught it. Like we were like in the war room, mm-hmm. you know, it was just very much like we were very much running mission control while we were at CES. We were the masters and commanders of schedules of access, um, of emails. It was like, 
you know, where we were running that shit. Yeah. Also, one thing to keep in mind is that we're a team, but we're also an agency. So while you three, <laughs> while you three were in the war room, um, I was back at home base. Yeah, holding Portland. it down. I was like, okay, what what do you need for me? How can I support you? What emails do I need to send? And keep in mind, January, I'm like seven months out of college. <laughs> um, so, like, I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but I'm, like, looking at a tsunami coming straight for me <laughs> and for, our, our like, our company and for Laura DiCarlo. So, I mean, I really just had to hold on as tight as I could. Yeah. Um, so... Do you think any of your classmates have gone through anything like this? No. Yeah. I think um, out of everybody that I knew in college, um, only like one or two people actually got to go to CES, like, you know, straight out of college with the agency um, or company that they were with. And I didn't even have to be there to be with the most talked about company at CES. Mm-hmm. And a ride. I ride like that. So, <laughs> it's um, cool. That's just me. That's just how I do. Um, but I, I mean, I was a part of the team during the, during everything with Laura DiCarlo, but um, I will not take credit for being in that war room and setting those schedules. Like I was trying to not burn anything down in Portland and you guys were trying to burn everything. <laughs> I'm like maniacally laughing with blow torches in my hand yeah, yes. on like Las Vegas Boulevard. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think though it's like even, and that's the thing with an agency is like even if you're not directly for the sparkliest thing is at the moment, it's like the support that you give your team members, it does make you part of that story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you make it possible for us to do those things. And it's like, you know, that's not always the most glamorous part of being on the team, but it's like such a key essential part. Yeah. And I knew, I mean, I knew what was coming to me when, um, like, I was like, yeah, I'm seven months out of college. Of course, I'm not going to be a CES. Also, what even is that? <laughs> like, I want to walk in the room with the Laura Haddock and I want everybody to look at me because <laughs> I'm going to be with the Laura Haddock. So I'm excited. Yeah. The future is exciting. Yeah, um, th- that definitely, I, w- I want to uh, jump off of, you know, what Evie's saying is like, um, that support uh, and that teamwork and that communication of the team, you know, uh, you know, again, being in separate spaces like that, being consumed um, and inundated with, you know, one client thing, we had, you know, multiple other client things to tend to, so... Um, it definitely, you know, hashtag teamwork makes the dream work shit. Um, <laughs> very much so. I so, think I'm still tired from CES. <laughs> what? But I think I'm still tired from CES. <laughs> like we did have a whole other client that was exhibiting there. Yes. Not to mention like client call for some reason, we kept our client calls on the calendar that week for other clients. It was just like, it was crazy. I'm like, I don't even, like I said, I think we're, I think we're all wizards. Um, like it's pretty crazy that we got done what we did. And I don't know who's, who's listening out there, but if you're fresh and out of college, like you need to learn how to make a briefing book. Like <laughs> if you can come to an agency knowing how to make a briefing book and a briefing sheet on somebody, like I want to say your chances to get hired are at least a little bit better. Facts. <laughs> you're so cute. Facts. Like, I want to say like just without 
the tsunami from the Laura DiCarlo um, thing, I was I made like fifteen to twenty like pages of a book for those meetings and stuff like that. So I was like, after that, I couldn't get briefing sheets out fast enough. Yeah, yeah there were so many. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny when I think back on when I think about CES in my brain, it occupies the entire month of January. Oh yeah. Um, but when I actually think about the timeline, I realize that it all happened in a couple of days. Right. And, you know, like, like Evie said, we, for whatever reason, like, you know, we, we kept our other client calls. We wanted to make sure that we were servicing our other clients. We told Jay, you know, like we need to field X, Y, Z things you know, while we're away and just, you know, make sure that they're still getting done or that they know that, you know, we might not answer today, but we'll answer tomorrow or whatever the case may be. Um, so that we weren't dropping the balls on anything else. Mm -hmm. But Evie, I don't know if you remember this, but we also did like two biz dev calls from our hotel room. Oh, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. With, I know. with Julia. Yeah. I remember and that now. one. Yeah. And so we, because of those biz dev calls, we also signed a couple clients like immediately coming out of CES. And I just, I feel like I remember these moments of running on pure adrenaline, like very warmly because I, that those, that place is very comfortable for me. I love that operating on adrenaline and that, um, you know, that, that impossible scheduling almost like where you have like one of those boards like in a tv show where you're like putting sticky notes everywhere and mm -hmm. like zooming in on maps and circling things with a big red pen and, <laughs> you know that's that's sort of what it feels like when you're when you're in there and you're in it um and it just it it felt really good to like the three of us walking down that like really pretty like plaza on the last day of the show after we had dinner and like we took that like selfie together and that moment for me was that very like end of movie sparkly moment where it was like <laughs> we survive but this is only the beginning and then like as the credits roll the montage is like rebellious went on to sign five new clients after <laughs> and you know and and so it was yeah i don't know i uh it was it was a humongous undertaking also really fun. And meanwhile, our other client like was no easy feat either. They had this huge booth build and we had press lined up for them in a totally different sector. And I had to get like movie makeup for them. Like that was no. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, they uh, are dressed up like the monsters and uh, have some special effects makeup and yeah. That and that was, that was at like, uh, four o'clock in the morning. I know. I was like, like five a.m. after like probably shutting down the the computers at you know midnight, one o'clock, something. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, trying to wind down and get some sleep and uh, doing it all over again. Um, yeah, super rad. Um, I I think that um, 
you know, being able to rely on everybody's strengths and, and hopefully for, um, you know, the listeners out there, you are able to kind of cultivate that within your own team and kind of be able to, you know, hone in on, you know, maybe who, who you assign to what. Um, um, but I, I think that that's kind of really important when, you have something, especially, you know, so big and you're, and you're just kind of dealing with, um, you know, not that all clients are important, but an important client, um, in this space. So, so next steps, we're really just excited to kind of see the release of this product. Um, but what's, you know, to kind of wrap up the, you know, DiCarlo story, what, what are kind of the next steps in this? I mean, I think it's going to be really about um, CES 2020. I think that's kind of like, you know, I think what happens there is kind of like actually the conclusion of the story. Um, Do we come out of that? You know, I don't know if we'll dominate the news cycle in quite the same way, but I think people are really going to want to meet with us, really going to want to see the product. They're really going to want to see, you know, what else Carla is bringing to the table. Um, And then I think, you know, I really feel strongly about creating, you know, female-centric safe spaces at CES. Um, CES is like, it's a shithole, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it is just like, it's kind of the worst of the worst in terms of just, like, men and, like, you know, the parties are just really, like, for men. <laughs> and I just think that it's like, you know, I think that Girls Lounge has done a really amazing job with what they do, but that's like, we shouldn't be think- just thankful that they're there. We need more of that. Like we're like 51% of the fucking population, you know, it's just like, we, we deserve more and there's more women in tech. There's more tech for women than ever. And that's what this was all about was like creating real change. And at the end of the day, that is the one thing that I'm proudest about that we have forced CES's hands to change their policies. I don't think we can say much more than that. I didn't sign an NDA, but maybe I did. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> I think that it's important that, 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 that being the result is more important than Laura getting on like this crazy speaking circuit, more important than, you know, 250 pieces of coverage. It's like we created real substantial change. We use our superpowers for good. Use your powers for good, not evil. Yeah, which is, like, hard for PR people. I get it. (laughs) Right? You want to be like, all right, bitch. I'm taking off. I'm snapping off these Lee Pressons. We're going to it right now. Yeah, I'm going to take In these streets, I'm going to do this. But no, take the high road. To some extent, also, like, when I look at, you know, every day, obviously, I'm looking at other news and other spaces and looking at stories coming out and being like, oh, PR did that or, oh, a journalist did that or, you know, more than like using our powers for good and not evil. I feel like it's using our powers for interesting and not mundane. Mm -hmm. Like there's (laughs) like the fact that when I woke up this morning, the biggest news was like, Beyonce rolling her eyes at the woman who was buying her and Jay-Z a drink at the basketball game. Oh, right. Like, I was just kind of irritated. Like, that isn't the news that I want to be looking at every morning. And, you know, sometimes I love pop culture 
publicity, but it doesn't do anything to move the needle forward unless it's intentionally moving the needle forward. And so I feel like it's sort of, you know, for every 20 stories about a celebrity gif or a celebrity cat fight or, you know, Twitter war or whatever, there's maybe one piece of good that comes out of it. And I would just rather see more intentional conversation from these people people that are holding the mics Mm. like we're over here trying to snatch mics from people but there are so many people that already have the mic yeah well and I think you you know you make a good point it's like intentional conversation just like a conversation in general like nobody talks anymore you know it's all meme culture um and you know kind of like you said is like love a good meme but like let's actually create some um yeah, something that's going to move us forward in a direction that um, is kind of actually noteworthy. Yeah, and that's not news mm-hmm. also. Like, mm-hmm. all that all that other shit isn't news. It's just, like, stuff that yeah. happens. Right, yeah. That's other people's and lives. I- this is, like, yeah. actual legitimate things that are affecting people's, like, livelihood, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Word. Mic well, drop. yeah, we we just dropped our own mic. We snatched our own mic. We dropped our own mic. God damn it, Mike. Oh, I mean, you can't before you drop the mic when we're thinking about the future, like catch us at CES 2020 in our matching rebellious denim jacket. That's right. Um, if you're looking for I mean, if you're looking for the perfect PR agency, I think they all they should have a matching jacket line. So <laughs> pretty much there. Um, also, I'll wait for that one. I don't want to make any announcements without (laughs) doing stuff, but let's just say the announcement is that we've got some cool shit coming up, um, and stuff that PR agencies don't typically do. Um, and so I guess more on that at another time. Being actual disruptors following along with our theme this month of disruption, Thank you, Rebellious Crew, for hanging with me and, and chatting about um, disruption this month on our fourth Pitch Please episode. And thank you for those uh, who are listening giving us feedback on the episodes. We really appreciate that. You can find us wherever you download your podcasts, um, whether you're iPhone or Android. Don't matter to us. We love everybody. So um, rate us, review us. We want to know how we're doing and perhaps what the theme for next month should be, the next the next series of uh, episodes. Um, follow us on all our adventures, of course, at rebellious.pr on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're out there. I'm Megan Jones. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time.